And now here's Robert. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Photofax Podcast. It's Robert Traywick here with Traywick Images. Okay, that was a really horrible start because I'm here with the guest, Jason Jones. Jim wasn't able to make it today. Jim is actually out shooting houses. So we are hanging out at the Quirk 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 and Beans? Quirk and Beans. Quirk and Beans. Quirk and Beans Coffee Shop in Edmond, Oklahoma. Real cool place to hang out. Um, and these guys are the reason that we're, sh- that we're drinking crappy coffee because they close at 3 o'clock. So, like, you can't really have any cool meetings or stuff after work or nothing like that. you got to drink Starbucks coffee. Oh, that's horrible. It is horrible. So, anyway, so we miss Jim a lot. Is this thing recording? Oh, yeah, it is recording. How cool is that? That's awesome. Oh, there's no film in the camera. What happened? Ah, yeah, we're in the digital years now. <laughs> Forgot so, the memory card. Jason Jones. So, let's give a little backstory. So, Jason Jones has come up from Dallas. He's a photographer, a commercial photographer. Are you commercial or you're real estate? How uh, you... Commercial photographer is a better. Uh, that's a better. That's a better. Yeah, term. just don't call me an artist. I never. Not I, an artist. I never defined as that. So, which is kind of cool because there's some really nice artist paintings behind your head, and I'm kind of getting those out of focus colors. We'll give the credit to the real artist then. Yeah. Hang on yes. the wall. So Jason Jones is a commercial photographer based out of Dallas, Texas, and um, we met curiously a long time ago. Long time ago. And uh, there's a photo online. If you dig around our Facebook page, it's a photo of Jason and I struggling over a baby. <laughs> now I lay me down to sleep uh, photo shoot. Yeah, Training. It was training. It was, it was training. And it wasn't a real baby. So don't. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a real don't, baby. Don't get you, put your pitchforks down before you come over. But I think we were showing, we were showing somebody light and like the fall off. I think we were showing right. like inverse square law of light. And somehow we were. Pulling the baby apart. It looks like we're about to tear it limb to limb. So <laughs> the, the photo is very out of context if you weren't in the room, and that makes it even better. Yes, it does. It's really cool. So we've known each other for a while, and uh, Jason's come up, and he's actually been a presenter on some of the worldwide photo walks to do with Scott Kelby. And uh, so he was in town, and we figured we'd get him on the show. Awesome. Glad to be here. And talk about uh, lessons learned. Lots of lessons. I don't think we have time for all of them. No, but we have time a lot. And this actually may have to be a two-episode two podcast because Jason is one of those photographers that if you saw him walking down the street, you would never guess he's a photographer at all. That's good. Like never, <laughs> never. I play piano in a brothel. That's what I tell people. <laughs> You're a pianist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, actually, I do enjoy being a photographer. I just don't uh, – I'm not a – I'm not a fanboy of anything, or I'm not the kind of person who, you know, I'm walking down the street with every body and lens I own hanging off of me. I mean, I'm not saying every photographer is, but we've all seen the stereotype, and I don't want to be that guy. So, Oh, I like that. Yes, let's just go ahead and throw that gauntlet out right away. Part of it is because I usually work in a lot of bad areas, and I don't want to get robbed either. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, we don't want to talk about those. So, let, so give us a little, like, walk down memory lane about how your start in photography got going. Well, um, I was for, let's see, I don't know, do the math here, that's kind of hard, I'm getting old, so maybe 15, 18 years, I was a car mechanic, and uh, but I always worked on high-end European stuff, mostly Jaguar, and just right before the bubble crash for the housing, 2006, 2007, those people saw it coming. Um, when, when you have $100,000 cars as second cars or third cars, and you know your toys consist of that level, 
those people saw the crash coming before you and I did. Okay? Wow. We saw it after it happened and watched our money go away. They saw it coming and prepared. So work fell off. And um, for those of you who don't understand how when you take your car to the dealership, the mechanic in the back is on commission, but his commission is not on sales he makes. It's on, He relies on other people to sell stuff. Really? So, okay, so you're back in the back. Right. So your commission is based on what the technician or right. whatever is selling? Absolutely. So to, to sum that up um, – I uh, I had received a couple of paychecks there in uh, I think it I think it was 2006 um, that basically I went to work 40 50 hours a week and I didn't make enough money on each paycheck to cover my health insurance premium and there was a note in there that said I owed them a certain amount of money on payday to cover the difference so that on, they on covered. payday you didn't get a check no I got a piece of paper that said this is not a check in the balance <laughs> spot yeah literally I did. So um, I, I locked up my toolbox. I put everything that wouldn't fit in my toolbox into my car, and I pulled out of the shop, and it took them two, three days to call me and go, hey, uh, we noticed you're not at work. Are you coming back? And that was kind of the seal the deal. I didn't go back. Um, but it, I don't recommend this course of action to anybody <laughs> because I didn't have a plan. Um, I literally, by the seat of my pants, I'd been, I'd been interested in photography for a while. I'd been doing some side jobs. I'd been shooting weddings on the weekend. And uh, I literally just walked out of there mad at one incident and said, I'm never going back to work for anybody else again. I'm not punching a time clock. I'm going to be my own boss. So I went out into the real world with a camera thinking I was going to do great. And I got my ass handed to me. Now, you were doing photography before part-time, some on the side. Right. So I wasn't completely inexperienced. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I learned a really valuable hard lesson in life that uh, when you think you know something, you don't. Uh, <laughs> So I regrouped, um, and uh, through through contacts that I had, um, through um, working on high end cars and stuff, um, I had leaned on a few people, as, you know, that I that I had knew were photographers or were in that industry in the visual and creative industries. And uh, just through a series of networking, which I know we're going to touch on later, is something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's how you and I are sitting here is networking. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Bat and the baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> the fact that baby's in one piece is probably why we're not in jail. But that's that, a, that, Yeah, because the instructor was none too happy. No, he was not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so basically I had no plan. Um, I walked out of there, uh, learned a couple of really hard lessons about uh, – it takes a little more than just I can take good pictures to make it in photography. So through those contacts and stuff I leaned on, I ended up uh, assisting a couple of commercial photographers on shoots. And um, at the time, my own shooting was just weddings or whatever, you know, portraits of babies, mm-hmm. you know, or, right. or headshots in a, you know, on a location that I could scrape up. So I started assisting commercial photographers, mostly with architecture. And I realized, hey, this is, you know, this is a viable living here. This is not... It's not the same as trying to hustle up a wedding off of buying Facebook ads or something. And, yeah, or um, thumbtack. Have you so, seen that thumbtack thing? Thumbtack's horrible. It's hard. It, it does not favor the photographer at all. No, th- thumbtack is. Um, in fact, I'll tell you an interesting story. My assistant was just telling me about a wedding photographer he knows that spent four thousand dollars last month on thumbtack because you have to buy right, credits the, to the, put the, the bids in and didn't land a single bid after spending four grand. I was floored. Dude, how, four grand to spend on advertising? That would be like a godsend. It wasn't even advertising. It was just putting bids yeah, in. Yeah, that's just he putting got bids no, in. There was no like secondary exposure from that. Wow. Yeah, Thumbtack yeah. is eating that up. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're making a killing off of photographers' backs. I mean, I, I'm i not one to tell anybody how they should run their business, but I, I fully – things like things like 
thumbtack or should be boycotted by photographers. Wow. Absolutely. That's nuts. Okay, so continue on with the story. So you just basically... So, yeah, I um, I mean, I went to college, but I di- actually didn't finish. I was going to college for web design, um, and I just... It's not that I didn't grasp the technology or anything. I just I started doing some jobs in that, and I hated. I absolutely hated the clientele. I hated you know what people demanded of you. Um, you know, it, 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 photographers always say, "Oh, my clients don't value my work and everything." Try working in web design; <laughs> it's ten times worse. So, um, so I realized real quick that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I was still assisting these photographers. I knew I wanted to shoot, and so um, I just buckled down and I just I put it out there. I networked. I worked hard. And uh, you'll find that's a common theme. You just work hard. Um, if, if if you're trying to find your niche in photography, work hard. Your niche will come to you. So I assisted photographers doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, food shoots, uh, fashion, architecture, you name it. If it's shot, I mean, I've walked on sets and there's been naked ladies and stuff. And I'm like, wow, I didn't sign up for this, but <laughs> I didn't go home either. So, um, <laughs> And that's how he met his wife. <laughs> so, no, my wife's going to kill me for that. And you said it. I met my wife in Sunday school on Sunday. No, no. you did not. No, no. Don't actually. even try that. No. I know her. No, we went to elementary school together, actually. That's interesting. That's another story for another time. But we've known each other I, that long. I did not know that. Yeah. And she still loves you. I know. Isn't it amazing? That is amazing. Very so, um, so what I did is that I, I buckled down, I worked hard, and as I started broadening my assisting capabilities and assisting mm-hmm. other photographers, I found out real quick I really didn't like being on fashion shoots. That just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, So I didn't really do as many of those, but I really started hustling, and I leaned on the architectural photographers that I assisted. Hey, if you've got a friend, I'd love a referral. I kind of need some more assisting work because – it's not like it used to be where you would go work at a studio full-time as an assistant. Those days are kind of gone. Everybody's right, freelance. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there are, in big cities like Dallas, there are catalog houses and stuff that hire assistants on. And I, even then, most of those are not full-time staff. Um, they're still 1099 contractors with a irregular schedule. But um, So I just was a freelancer. I just kept leaning on my network. I so, leaned- so you basically asked for it. Like you, you would talk to some extent. Hey, say, listen, man, I need, I need to get another gig. Can you refer me somebody? Yeah, you know, and I mean, maybe not that bluntly most of the time, but most Mm -hmm. time, a lot of times, it was my hard work. I didn't even have to ask. Um, You know, I mean, I would mention it or something, or the photographers I worked with would say, "Hey, if you get a phone call from so and so, I gave them your name and number. They were asking, they needed an assistant, and I recommended you. So, you know, I just I leaned on my network again, just Mm -hmm. networked, and I worked hard, and it paid off, and so. I found myself constantly more and more working with architectural photographers. A lot of them come in from out of town for bigger jobs, and mm-hmm. so I had some areas like I marketed through the ASMP. Um, they keep an assistance list, and so I would do that. So these photographers would come in from New York, L.A. to shoot something in Dallas or Houston or somewhere around the state, and they would lean on that list. And so I was on that list, and they would call, and there's no rhyme or reason where you get placed on it. It was a free listing, but it puts you out there. Right, right. So um, – I would get calls and I would go work with different people and working with those people. I saw things that I would never, like I would never say this to anybody because it's not my place, but I would see things and I would go, yeah, I would never do it that way. Mm -hmm. And as an assistant, that's not your place. Don't ever, but but in your head, you look at stuff and you go, yeah, this guy's style is one way and it works great for him and his client, but I would never do it. So I picked up on all this stuff and I just soaked up mouth shut, eyes open, watch, 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 watch. And I, I've got a couple of photographers. I mean, I learned something from every shoot, but I've got a couple of photographers that I actually still assist because they've been with me. I mean, I've, they were there at the start. They were a couple of the first photographers I ever assisted 
and I owe them a college tuition. I really do. <laughs> they have taught me so much. And uh, <clears throat> it, it just, you know, like I said, we live in a YouTube age where somebody graduates high school, they go to college and get an associate's degree for, I don't know, I don't know what it is now, Photography 101 or something. Right, right. They watch some YouTube videos on a specific niche like, uh, you know, food photography or something. And then six months later, they're bummed out and depressed. Why, why am I not a successful food photographer or architectural photographer? It takes time. People used to apprentice for a decade before they ever made it to a standalone beginning right. full-time but position. But we're seeing these people be successful on Facebook all the time. I mean, well, I mean, I, they got brand new equipment. They're driving these big cars. I mean, that there, happens, there, doesn't there's, it? There's always things. <laughs> when you pull the curtain back, Mr. Oz is back there pushing some levers and buttons. I'm sitting there being a little sarcastic. I mean, he, you're taking my direction pretty yeah. well. <laughs> there's a... Uh, I mean, there, there's always going to be, in any industry, there's always 1% that's going to come right out of the gate and be successful, and they're going to be the rock stars. I'm fortunate to know several of those, um, and, and they're very inspirational because they truly are. Well, dr- name drop. Oh, let's see. J.B. Sally. Um, Do you know J.B.? Yeah. I didn't know that. Dude, I, like, worship the ground he walked <laughs> on back in the wedding we're, days. Now, let me you, we're not good friends or anything, but, but, you know, through photography, I know him. So, yeah, but um, I can hashtag but, the episode and get more traction. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go, man. There's that networking with name dropping. Um, but, you know, there's people like Kyle Coburn. He's a, a pretty famous wedding photographer there yes. out of Dallas. He does a lot of stuff. Um, and then I could drop a bunch more names uh, for commercial photography of people you've never heard of. But drop them. Um, but you, I, well, just want, know, I just want to know. Well, I know Dave. Well, you well you know yeah you know Dan Piasic. Oh Dan Dan that's Dan Piasic. Um, uh, you you've actually met him before. Uh, Sean Gallagher. I actually uh, worked. You th- you threw me a job to work yeah. for Dan, and I have to tell you, just in that day and a half I worked with him. It was mind blowing. Right, I've worked with him for ten years, so it was mind blowing <laughs> what he. Like he did not teach me to teach me. He just did what he did, and I mean, my job was was remove light stands. Robert, take the light stand two feet to your left. Yes, sir. And I would just pick the light stand up and move it. But it's amazing what you learn when you actually put hands on. I will tell you this: because of him and you, that's why I bought the rock and rolling cart. Oh yeah, that's the best piece of equipment ever, dude. It is so awesome. I want to get the pla- the the plate that goes up on top. Yeah, that's very so, handy. So you can use it for the uh, tethering. Very, very, very handy. Yeah, yes. I want to do that. Yeah, but those guys are absolutely Yeah, amazing. and I mean, I could, I mean, please, if any of you are listening and you didn't hear your name, um, <laughs> you suck. Robert, Robert interrupted me. I, I literally, I have a long list of people that, I mean, I owe, a, a, I owe my career to um, just from, you know, they've, I mean, I can't tell you early on when I was just starting out and I didn't have any money or anything. I mean, people would loan me equipment. Um, that's one of the reasons I shoot Nikon. It's not that I'm a fanboy or anything. It's just everybody I know shoots Nikon. And early on, I scraped up a dirt cheap body, and I was borrowing lenses and stuff. And you know, I just I built a career from that. I just did I did what I could with what I had, and leaned on my network. And it again, it's work hard and network, and it pays off. So, but yeah, if I didn't mention you, it's not because I don't love you. Oh, just, good. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, we would be here all day with if I listed names of people that's helped me get where I'm at in my Well, career. I like to joke about that a little bit because, you know, there are so many people that, that do have a camera, and you know how that goes. I, I think that everybody deserves to be happy in their own way. Oh, absolutely. But you can't sit there and be impatient to where, oh, my God, someone hasn't called me this week. Or, you know, and I'm like, did you do any work? 
Well, yeah, yeah. I put up I put up a picture on my on my Facebook page. Well, that's not really marketing. No, mar- that's a that's a marketing, part of it. Marketing is a full time job, and you have to figure in the time for that between a full time job of shooting. Um, you know, and I I tell you one of the things about marketing when you start marketing, and this is what we just touched on. You're going to notice other people's appearing to do better than you what is their marketing and i know it's it's something we've all done mm-hmm. we look at someone we think is very successful and we go well, what is, what are they doing for marketing and you know what works for one person doesn't work for another and what made them successful will most likely not make you successful oh that's a, that's a good um, point I mean, i'm not saying 100 percent. nothing i say is 100 no, no, percent. but right, right but you know if you look at someone who you think is doing well if you don't look behind the scenes if you don't know them personally you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe you know, maybe they have a wealthy spouse that's funding the new car and everything else, and they're really not doing that well at photography. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know. So, my point to that is, there's nothing wrong with that. I wish I had a wealthy spouse that funded <laughs> everything I wanted. Um, but uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But you you can't base your life on other people's appearances. You what you have to do is right. you have to, it's, it's what I'll keep saying throughout this whole podcast. You have to work hard. And network, and you'll find your niche, and, and things will happen for you. But you, you. got to work hard. You have to work hard. You got to do the work. Do you remember the commercials? I know you're old enough. I won't spill your age out, but that's okay. They already know. They okay. know I'm old. We're we're fairly close. Do you remember? You're not the, even close at all. Are you kidding me? How? Do you remember the? Com- I did not start losing like my bladder control until I was almost your age. Oh man! And now I'm like ten years later, and it's well. it's, it's a complete. It's it's a crapshoot. It's hard to be. An old, I'm gonna tell you, it's hard to be an old man. It's, it is. It's rough work. Do you remember the old TV commercials when they used to sell these entrepreneur packages and the guys driving the convertible Bentley to the golf course? Okay, Dude, that guy either owned the car wash and he was delivering that car to somebody at the car wash, or he owned the golf course and he had to go into work on a Sunday. Is why the roads were clear. Yeah, because <laughs> owning your own business is twice as hard as. If you're think if you're working a job now at a desk nine to five Monday through Friday and shooting some weddings on the weekend and you're thinking about doing this full time, you will work twice as many hours. Period. Yes, absolutely. You you're fixing to go from sixty hour weeks to eighty or a hundred hour weeks. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and, and it's going to happen. There's no overnight success. Nope. And you're going to have to work at it. And the, and there's I I kind of get caught up on the same thing. I know some a lot of photographers that are what we would consider part-time. Like, they only shoot weddings on the weekend. Okay? Right. They have a really good job. I know one that's a nurse. So she's she's doing pretty good. Okay? Right. And then on the weekends, when she's free, she shoots weddings. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. There is nothing wrong with that. Being a part-time photographer doesn't mean that you're not full-time passionate about photography. Absolutely. And I've, I've even heard people, I've heard some very bitter quote-unquote professional photographers there's no shortage of those oh no there's tons of them and uh and they'll look down on you just because you're not doing it full-time you're a nurse for four days you know you have a yeah a shift where you work four on four off or something and you've got four days of each to do photography to do photo- how awesome is that there's nothing wrong with that and people will look down on you for that and those are the people you really want to avoid don't take any advice from those people because they're only going to steer you wrong when most adults have a little bit of common sense. I won't say all adults do, but most adults have some common sense. And when someone, there's a difference between constructive criticism and being a hater. And when someone's being a, a cranky old man, they're probably giving you bad advice. I mean, I've I've received bad advice, and I've thought about it a little bit, and I go, 
I think that guy's just trying to set me up to chase my own tail. Yeah, he's a cynical little bastard. And he's yeah, and it and there's a lot of that in this industry. And you know, there's plenty of work. I don't care where you live. If you live, and this is a theory I have. If you live in a city, I don't have any science or numbers to back this up. But so if you this li- is Jason Jones Science 101. Well, <laughs> let's use a different name in case this is really wrong. Okay, um, Jim Felder Science 101. There we go. I, I, He's I not here, so we can pick on him. I don't like muddying my own name. Yes. <laughs> if your town is big enough to have an international airport, then the work to person ratio or like the photography work to photographer ratio and you can pretty much apply this to any industry Mm -hmm. that ratio is the same it's not the same number but it's the same per capita however you want to look at the like how many photographers are available to how many people out there for you, you take a city like dallas oklahoma city or houston new york or la there's a lot of work in new york and la but there's also a ton of people a lot mm-hmm. more than in dallas right there's a lot of work in dallas but there's a lot of people it's the same ratio of work so don't ever think that you know when when you've got someone telling you that you're not going to make it because you're in a small town or whatever think about where the advice is coming from they live in that same small town yeah they don't want you to be successful <laughs> they don't want you to be they want you to move to another <laughs> town so like i said always take advice for what you paid for it um, and I offer a full refund on anything you hear today for exactly what you paid for it. <laughs> Which is zero. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I made Robert buy my coffee, so um, I'm in the negative over here. Yeah, you're in the negative, buddy. <laughs> or the positive. I'm not sure which way you look at it. Um, I have a GoFundMe account at... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> no. that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> and please don't be the photographer that posts a GoFundMe account on your Facebook begging everyone to buy you a new lens. That makes me really upset. Okay, now now I'm going to have to – we have the owner of the Quirk and Beans going by very quickly. No, she's not even realizing that we're talking about her, and there's like over a 1,000 people online right now. Okay, she just left us. Oh, wow, I'm nervous now. I thought it was like three. Yeah, well, actually it is. It's okay. three prisoners, and two of them like, uh, like Jim. Oh, well, there They you love go. his voice. <laughs> I told my mom to listen. She's probably not. No, nah, she's probably not listening. Uh-oh, she looked at me kind of weird now. Okay, so um, – our um, alter ego, the Photo Bomb Podcast, actually just brought this up some time ago, talking about insurance for equipment. Yes, and you know, as professionals, we all carry insurance. I'm sure you have a liability Absolutely. insurance. Absolutely, and you're you're doing drone photography too, right? Yes, um, that's Which, something new. I've just started. I've been doing aerial photography for several years out of manned aircraft, mm-hmm. and um, the drone, the curve for. Especially with last year, with now the FAA has some clear guidelines in place, even though they're a little crazy and it's not all worked out. They did finalize some guidelines, so it's really opened the door for the drone. And at the end of the day, it is cheaper and more efficient to do things with a drone. Um, Than actually getting an aircraft, doing the flight plan, the whole nine yards. Absolutely. There are are certain things that you will still need to use an aircraft for. um, And, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to both. Um, I actually got started. This is a funny story, and I know your readers are going to – or listeners are going to love this. Um, talking about just doing what you have with what you got. I got into aerial photography because I had a commercial real estate client call me, and I had been doing work for them, and they said, hey, we need some aerial photos of this new property we've got. Do you do that? And I thought, man, that sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I told them, I said, hang on, let me call my pilot and see what his schedule is. And I hung up the phone. And I started calling a few people I knew that had done aerial photography to figure out what I needed to do. But you never done it before? Never done it in my life. So you didn't say no? Well, absolutely not. That sounded amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to miss out on it. 
So you you gave him an excuse. Said, I'm going to put you on. Let me go check my pilot and hung up the phone. Well, I told him I told him I was on a shoot, which I was at the time. Right, and I right. said, let me let me talk to my pilot and everything. I'll call you back tomorrow and uh, we'll work we'll work something so out. So basically, you needed a buffer zone to research what was happening. Well, yeah, and uh, and everything. So I it's pretty smart. It, it sounded fun. And for years, what I did was is um, I, I shot aerial photos, but I always rented aircraft that were four seats. Mm-hmm. And I would take my kids with me. So my kids got free private plane flights, like the tours around town. I was getting paid for the job, so it didn't cost us anything. So it was amazing. And no, I don't have... So are you actually renting an aircraft yes. or, are you, or you're taking a right. tour? No, no, I'm renting the aircraft. The, F- the FAA, you cannot fly the plane and do photography. They have a specific rule about that. Right, yeah. They don't want you distracted shooting right. So, So with a, with a helicopter or a Cessna, which is the two, like an R44 is mm-hmm. uh, the Robinson, that's going to be your most popular vehicles to rent or the cheapest. Um, and I try to do it out of an airplane mostly because it's about half the cost of a helicopter. Right, They're going to yeah. take the door off the helicopter, or on the case of a Cessna, you have to have a pilot that's uh, a flight instructor so he can fly in the right-hand seat. And you sit in the left-hand seat, and they undo uh, – there's a latch on the window that only lets it vent. You undo that, and the prop wash holds the window up on the left side so you can shoot out and around the wing strut. But renting a Cessna, it's harder, but it costs half as much money. So that's what I did for a long time. I put my kids in the back seat. Everybody's happy. I got paid for a job. The client doesn't care because the airplane costs the same amount of money either way. Right, yeah. They don't care if your kids went with you. My kids were as happy as could be. You've never seen some happy kids going flying all the time. You were like super so. bad. To them, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And just for a little backstory, since most people probably don't know me, we homeschool our kids. Well, it's mostly my wife, but I say we. <laughs> no, it, you say we. It's it's her. <laughs> it, yeah, no, it really is. Um, but uh, we homeschool our kids because I have a lot of travel work, and I do a lot of things like that. And mm-hmm. so we're not tied to a school schedule. And so, like, we picked up for five weeks last year, or no, in 2015, to go up to New England for a big job that I had, and I took them all with me, and we spent over a month up there. Didn't you just take them to Mexico? No, they didn't go to Mexico with me. But your wife did. My wife did. So well, who, 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 who watched the kids? Well, grandparents. That's what grandparents are for. Right? Oh, okay. Well, I guess well, anyway, we've, gotten lucky. Off, we've gotten off topic here. No, so. no, I think this is a great topic. Well, back, back to aerial. Um, so anyway, I've done, I've done aerial photography for years, and, uh, and it's just the, the drones. It's, it's technology. It's keeping up. It's no different than, um, you know, it's just a different tool in your toolbox. Um, you know, if, if something's crazy where the FAA won't give me an authorization to fly in a certain airspace, I can, I can fall back on a manned aircraft flight, which I can always do in mm-hmm. regardless of the airspace. Um, so it, it's not a completely lost skill flying out of manned aircraft. It's just there's pros and cons to both now. Um, and back on the insurance thing, I actually carry a lot of extra insurance on that. Most right, people, right. like if you call, like if you go with what is it, the Hartford, the Photographer's Choice, or uh, like Tom Pickard is who I'm with right now. Yeah, I, I I can't remember. Uh, um, the FAA use, uses or the FAA the uh, PPA has one. There's a they're there's a couple with, of different. Yeah, ones. they're probably with the Hartford is probably who the underwriters are, which is the same as the Photographer's Choice. There's mm-hmm. with insurance. There's only about four or five underwriters, I think, and there's just a bunch of different companies kind of selling exactly. it. So, yeah. but um, the kind of the standard I, I hear from everybody, and it was what I started with, was a million dollars of general liability. Mm-hmm. Okay, for most people, that's going to cover. I mean, it's going to more than cover any damage you could do. Um, right, exactly. I mean, a million dollars is still a lot of money. It doesn't Wedding feel like Wedding photographer, it. real estate photographer going in to just photograph some houses right. for if listings. It, if it's low-end houses. But, like, when you when you bump up a level, 
um, because I don't I don't do like really low end stuff. I'm you know if I do real estate, it's for higher end listings, you know, mm-hmm. million dollar plus, um, or architectural photography for interior designers, things like that. For instance, like in Dallas, if you go in the you know some high rise condo, let's say the Ritz Carlton or the W or something like that, um, you have to have more than a million dollars, and you have to give them a certificate ahead of time. Really? Yeah, and uh, um, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say which one's specific to which or whatever. I mean, but, no, no, no. But, well, well, I think it's interesting. Just, just I want you to continue. Is we were talking about the whole Facebook with the GoFundMe and the photobomb guys were talking about insurance and how photographers are not paying for insurance and then they get their bag stolen. Right. And they put a GoFundMe like, oh, my God, I lost all my equipment. I lost all my stuff. Okay, I don't want to be mean because I know people that have actually had their equipment stolen. Yep. I, I get that. But I have to say this. If you're dumb enough to put a GoFundMe online to try and get that, you didn't plan as a business person. No, absolutely not. Okay, so this right here is survival of the fittest. It's like, And I know this is going to sound really crass, and people are used to it, but, Robert, when I'm traveling the countryside and I see some crosses on a straight-line road – First thing that comes to my mind is this ain't a curve. Right. You ran off the road because you were probably drunk, and I'm sure people missed <laughs> you. But, hey, our society just got better because you're a dumbass. Yeah. So let's go back on that insurance okay. thing. So, so you're carrying a so lot more insurance than the I ca- average guy. I carry $4 million for general liability because if you think about it this way, if I'm in a million-and-a-half-dollar condo on the 15th floor of a 25-floor high-rise – and I knock a light over or one of my Speedotron packs explodes because, you know, I use – those things are old, and but they're still workhorses. I love them. They're as, they're as good as pro photo at a tenth of the cost. So um, I uh, I mean, if you can just imagine, if there was a, a small fire or something on that, it would be well over a million dollars in damage because right. they're going to evacuate that high rise. I mean, just crazy. And, the, and there's not a limit. So if you have a no, million dollar a, insurance – and they and and you do you're responsible for over the amount exactly over. you're you're responsible for the amount over so if you're so, not covered enough you're screwed yeah um I mean I'm overinsured I'll tell you that right now I'm overinsured but I'm I'm comfortable and I sleep at night that way I can pay, you be overinsured really uh, you know maybe not um I, I I don't think you can I pay a little bit of extra I have all my gear insured this is where a lot of people mess up. Well, fill me in because I'm I, looking at some new insurance right now. I have my gear insured for my premiums a little more than if I went with some other companies, but mm-hmm. um, I pay for new replacement value, okay? Right, versus regular replacement. So, so what that means is, um, like I'm shooting with a D800 right now, mm-hmm. but I have it insured where if I lose my camera, if I walk out of the parking lot right now and my camera gear is gone and I have a shoot to do tomorrow... I call my insurance. They're going to cut me a check for the price because right now I can't buy a D800 new. Right. I can buy a D810. Right. I have it insured for the replacement value, which is the next available model. So I, I have enough money coming from insurance to walk in there and buy a new 810. There's but no, you got to pay a little extra for that. It, it, you got to you got to pay for that and ability it's not, and to it's, sleep. And it's not specifically on my policy that I pay extra for that for, amount. For but that. my policy just costs a little bit more than right. some other policy, but it gives me that privilege, and it's well worth it. I've never had to make a claim, but I sleep good at night knowing that I'm not going to stress going, wow, I only had that camera covered for you know, what used value on eBay was, and now it's, crap, I have to come up with another $1,000 immediately to go and get a new body or something. I'm covered. I'm good. And I also have what's called errors and omission insurance. Yeah, which I think a lot of people call liability insurance, well, but it's a, you it's have, a different – yeah, what it's like a o- contract Here's error, what errors right? and omissions covers. Okay. General liability will cover 
like it says, it's just general liability. Right. If, you know, if you, if you do some smoke damage or something to a place, they're going to cover, you know, going in and having to, the, the homeowner's going to want the house fumigated or mm-hmm. whatever that ionized process they do to get rid of it. Right. That all is going to add up. That's going to be general liability. But errors and omissions is specific with if you as a photographer make a mistake. If I leave out of a job... And I'm one of those people who is really anal about backing things up, and I'll get into that in a minute. Okay. okay? I can replace all my gear. I mean, this is material things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what happens to that stuff. I can replace it. What I cannot replace is images. Okay. If I go on to a shoot, let's say I've done a shoot, um, or maybe I've you know photographed a, a really historic property or something right before. I don't know. It was going to be condemned, and they're going to bulldoze. I don't right, know. Right. I'm just making this up. That probably wouldn't happen, but let's just it could happen. Let's go extreme here, okay? I put all the images in my car. I decided, hey, I'm going to go get some coffee at this cool new coffee place down the street. Mm-hmm. Done with the shoot. I've had a hard day. I go in there and I'm kicked back. I'm doing some emails. Come back out. My car has been cleaned out. Guess it was just gone. The memory card. The thieves are not going to go. Well, let me leave the memory card in the ashtray for him. Right. That's gone. Now I have to call this client, and I have to tell this client, um, I know it wasn't my fault, but this is still really hard. But yeah. I, don't, I, I have nothing to show, okay? We, we have no images. So one of two things is going to happen. And this place has already exploded. You can't go back and do well, it. But even it's if, already done. Even if it's not, one of two right. things is going to happen. Either A, we can't redo the shoot, and it's gone for This stuff is gone forever. Or B, we can redo the shoot. But let's, let's take a more extreme example. Let's say it was a fashion shoot, mm-hmm. all right? I had two assistants on set. We rented a studio, a big studio for a day at like, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. We've had an art director there for a couple three grand a day. We've had a wardrobe stylist. Um, we've rented wardrobe or something. I mean, we could easily have twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars tied up in a shoot here. Not that it was money out of my pocket, but between all the teams and everything that went into play to right. do this shoot, the talent and flying people in and all those things, it's really easy to rack up that kind of money. We can reshoot this, but guess who the client is going to want to put you. that dime on? And this is what errors and omissions will cover. So is errors on the photographer's part or an omission on the photographer's part? I forgot to back up the images. It stinks, and it's and this insurance is actually more expensive than the liability because of what it covers. Right, exactly what it covers. But I have I have a million dollars of that anyway. It covers basically the acts of God. Right. <laughs> now that being said, but I know there's probably somebody out there cringing about back up your images, dummy. You know what? Right, what right. in the world? I shoot with. I don't I don't use my second card slot for an overflow. I use my second card slot as a copy. So I'm always shooting two cards mm-hmm. before I walk off the set or whatever. The SD card is in my laptop, and they're going to my laptop. One of those cards is in my car somewhere else that's probably not going to get cleaned out. One of those cards is in my pocket, and the laptop, if I go in somewhere, the laptop always goes with me. So so you're, you're having physically separation when I leave, of the cards. Gets when, I, when I leave a shoot, it's backed up in three places, and it's physically separated. So if I come out and everything is cleaned out of the car, I've still got two copies on me. For the most part, I don't stop too many places after shoots, right? And I go straight home, put it in the computer, and it's already backed up again onto duplicate on other hard drives. So, if you have a good backup process, this but is never going to happen. But this is just a good scenario here, to. Here's the thing: we happen to be over here at uh, the Cork and Beans in Edmond. Oh, yeah, go yank that out. All right, yeah. and um, you, you you had an opportunity to meet uh, to meet Christian. Yes, he actually has an office here. Great guy, love him to death. He quit shooting weddings probably about a year ago. Uh, but God, he is—he's just 
well, you saw him. He's a good-looking guy. Okay, he's sexy. If I was a chick, I'd be all over. Not as good-looking as you, Robert. Oh my God, you're so good. Yes, yes. And uh, I, I believe, I, I mean, I'm kind of digging like way back a couple of years ago. It seems like he actually got his car, all his camera equipment, cleaned out after a wedding, and I think on the way home he had stopped and he was parked in his parents' driveway for. Literally like 20 minutes, and it's yep. like he came out 20 minutes later, and his car's cleaned out. So this stuff can truly, truly happen. The, the bigger the city you're in, the more it'll happen. Um, you know, it's law of averages. Uh, I, personally, every story I've ever heard has always been, I just ran inside for 15, 20 minutes. Or yes. I, because what happens is, if somebody's watching you, or if they know, hey, this might be a good thing, and it may even just be a random person. I don't know how a thief works, but... I would assume even if they just walked by and looked, and they're going to see some Pelican cases. They don't even know what's in there, but they'll take a chance. I can grab two Pelican cases or, hey, everybody knows what a camera backpack looks like. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. When I go on trips, I don't carry a Manfrotto or whatever bag. I, I, I literally, I went down to Goodwill, and I have a $3 Jansport bag that looks like it's been just destroyed by a school kid, and everything goes in there with a padded sleeve and stuff inside that. It looks like I'm hauling dirty laundry. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, you're not too far from the truth, because if I was going to be a thief, it would be just as easy as getting on the paper, look at wedding announcements, and show up to a church. There's going to be a photographer car somewhere in that parking lot. Right. And a lot of times, they're going to have their name on it. You know, when I shot weddings, I actually would, I always brought an assistant, and I, for the most part, they watched the gear. Yes. So, and it's not that it, it's not that everybody's out to get you, but no, it only takes the one time. And so I just try to avoid that. I try not to ever leave. I mean, there's times when you can't avoid it um, because I have, when I go on an architectural shoot, the back of my truck, I have a camper shell. The back of my truck is full of stuff. So I can't put it all in a buggy and push it into Walmart with me or whatever. So for the most part, I tend to go home and unload or do whatever right. I need to do. But there's times when you're not going to be able to or it's not feasible. Hey, I've had a shoot. I'm going to go meet my wife for dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, you just can't avoid it sometimes. And so the insurance helps with that. The insurance, I, I can park my truck, lock it, and I know I've done my due diligence If because the lock's not going to stop a thief. If a thief wants your stuff, he's going to get it. Right. You're going to slow him down. But That's I can, about it. I can go in there and eat dinner, and I know I've got my laptop and a copy of the images in my pocket. I can eat dinner without one worry in the world, and if I walk out there and all my gear is gone, it's not the end of the world. It wow. sucks, but it's not the end of the world. It's It's... I'll do Tom Pickard a favor and not tell what my premium is, but it's cheaper than you think, okay? Because my situation, they, they tailor the policies, and mine, I have specific coverages and specific deductibles. So if I spout on here and say it's so much a quarter, right, yeah. they'll get a bunch of phone calls or something and go, no, we don't do that, and everybody will think I'm a liar or whatever. So, But it's it just call pick, call an insurance provider, shop around, tell them what you need. Not everybody has 20 or 30 grand in gear. Some people have 100 grand. Some people have five grand yeah exactly and and the policy is based on what you want to insure you don't have to insure all your gear you can say well all these little chinese radio triggers that are 40 bucks a piece i don't need to insure that right that's you know, nothing right. and but i'm going to insure my new camera body and my, my new my, computer yeah my three new lenses and yeah because i have all my i mean i have every ipad i have my my mac i have my laptop my macbook pro all that's insured so anything happens to it i'm like i said i sleep better at night it's an added expense to the business, but it's well worth it. And I don't it think it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. I, I won't even say it sucks it, it, because of the peace of mind I get. I don't mind paying it. Um, I, I think every photographer should be working with insurance, and unfortunately, I think the majority do not. That's correct, and and that really kind of saddens me because if something happens, I mean, some of the houses I go in. I mean, I was in a house uh, with another photographer here recently. There was a three and a half million dollar painting on the wall. If you kicked a light stand over into that. 
and it tore your toast. If you had a million-dollar policy, you were, yeah. You're still screwed. So think about that, yeah. So, I mean, it, things like this don't happen every day. I mean, it's that's what insurance is for. It's hedging. You're hedging the risk that it doesn't happen. Right. But occasionally they do, and you can't pick or plan when it's going to happen. So it's just being prepared. But don't you think it's the cost of doing business? Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things you well, figure it's, it's not sexy. Okay, I just wrote a blog post. Long, uh, it's not. For uh, Metro Camera Club, Metro um, PPA, and, you know, top ten things to do before you go into business. And insurance isn't sexy. No, it's not. We don't get around and talk about our insurance policies at a photography meeting. Processing credit cards is not sexy. None of no, that is. No, no. But, you know, when I you, – and you were at my studio when I used to have a studio in Dallas. Um, I had a neighbor at the studio, and he painted parking lot stripes. That was all he did, okay? He had two or three vans, all the equipment, a couple of workers that were part-time, but they when, would go When out. do they paint those? Because I have not seen anybody ever do that. They do but in the middle sh- of the night. You do because you show up to a party and you're like, oh, my God, did they paint this? Well, and here's my point with that. I, I was pretty good friends with him and because uh, I was in that studio for four years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know your neighbors. And it's funny, in talking to him, we both realized that him and I did the exact same thing for 90% of our business. Insurance, you know. Credit card fees, billing clients. Clients that don't want to pay. I mean, you know, just we did the exact same thing. And about 10 or 15% of our time was spent doing the specific trade that we had initially engaged in. Wow. And it just, you know. It, it, it was funny because if you look at any industry, it's the same thing. Yeah. People get into photography because they think they're going to, oh, I'm going to go shoot this wedding. I'm going to throw my camera to my assistant and go to this A-list party afterwards. And yeah, it's no. this big, sexy affair like I've seen on TV. There's, If you're Annie Leibovitz, that probably happens. That might happen. Okay. But yes. you had 16 assistants on set that practically shot it for you. And you you walk in with the talent, make them feel comfortable, fire off a few frames. The lighting's already set up and you leave. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You and I are not Annie Leibovitz. Hell so. no. No, not even close. <laughs> we're, we're in the real world. Oh, my God. Dude, this has been an awesome podcast. Okay, so we got a couple more minutes left on this one, and we're going to split it up to a second podcast we'll roll out later. So, Jason, how about give the listeners, because you know we are talking about business. The next one we're going to talk in, I want to go into a little bit about marketing yes. and networking, because the one thing I appreciate about you is that you are a worker. Like, I, I promise you right now, you're not going to see Jason sleeping in late, drinking margaritas in the morning time. Well, Only okay. because I don't post that on Facebook. Yeah, you don't post it on Facebook. <laughs> but the man is always working. He's always hustling. That, that's what I can say about Jason. Jason is always hustling. If you look at Jason and you think he's sitting in the coffee shop just drinking coffee, he's trying to figure out how can I market to these people to make him my client. That's what's always on his mind. And that, I think is this i don't want to say the secret of success but that's where opportunity meets preparation absolutely and i'm going to drop a little casey neistat uh, oh yes here yeah we're going to hashtag the hell out of him (laughs) if you uh if you don't listen to casey neistat or watch his vlogs i I recommend it i i I can't stand talk radio because of what happened last year with the election all talk radio went to crap yes it was bad and i like white noise when i uh uh, when I'm editing, so I always have something talk radio or whatever running in the background, and so I found his blog last year, um, and I started listening to what, what he had to say. And uh, one of the things he'll always tell you is work harder, work hard. He even has work harder tattooed on his arm. And uh, while I haven't gone that extreme, it's a philosophy I've always had. You've got to work. I mean, my dad, 
taught me that was he didn't give me a specific skill but one of the things my dad taught me my dad was in business for himself even though he he worked a full-time job and ran a full-time business right and he just always taught me just you got to work son you if you sit around nothing is going to come to you and as a teenager you couldn't have made me believe that if you beat oh me. god you could have hit me over the head with it and i wouldn't have believed it and that's just being a teenage boy but he made me work anyway even though i didn't want to and so i've been working since I was 12 with my dad and then moved on into real jobs, you know, when I was 16, 17. But uh, we won't talk about how long ago that was. Um, (laughs) But he always instilled in me, get up and go to work. Because if you sit at home, nothing will ever happen. And the funniest thing, and Dan. um, Love Dan. Dan actually shared this with me, and I had been doing the same thing. So it was really funny because my dad, when I told my dad I've quit my job, I'm going to be a photographer, blah, blah, blah. He was so worried for me. Because my dad's one of those people that he he worked two jobs and right, he right. always worked and he was like, well, "What are you going to do now?" And I'm like, "No, I, I'm going to be a photographer." And you know, early on we had some struggles, and so he was really skeptical. But as as I gained some more success and started to have some steady income and, and was finally kind of making it, um, although let me preface back, you never truly make it, but yeah. <laughs> at the time you feel like you're making it. But you know, things are going better in life. And he would ask me, you know, what are you doing today? And if I told him, yeah, I can go to lunch or whatever, he would worry that I wasn't, oh, you don't have any work today? Yeah, well, no, yeah. No, Dad. So now I always tell my dad I'm working. That's funny. But if I'm sitting at home editing images or marketing, I, I truly am. Truly, You truly are. I, I mean, people see me at coffee shops all the time, and they're like, oh, out Robert's having coffee. And they're mostly right. But I promise you, my iPad's with me. I have my, my sketch pad. I'm doing something. If you if you look at my social media, um, and we can talk about this on networking and marketing too, mm-hmm. I, keep, I keep it separate. I have a social media persona for my family and very close dear friends on Facebook. I don't let clients into that world ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Really, and I keep if I have clients that want to follow me on social media, I send them to Instagram because there's no. It, it's it's I keep Instagram business, but I make it feel personal. So they're following me on social media there, and I think it's good to have a separation there because your clients don't need to know everything going on in your personal life. And I don't put all that on Facebook anyway, but I know some people do. So, right. um, but we can get into that on the next one. But um, but what I do is um, with that. Uh, if you look at my social media, especially my personal one, it looks like all I'm doing is traveling and vacationing. Because you've seen it, you're on yeah, my personal. Yeah, I'm, I'm on it all the time. It looks like I'm traveling the world, having the highest old time of my life. Okay, <laughs> and it looks like I'm living a five hundred thousand dollar a year lifestyle. And I assure you, I feel like it sometimes, but I truly am not. Um, the, if, if you see me check in in Mexico, I don't lie about where I check in at. I'm, if I check in, I'm there. But yeah. <laughs> if I'm in Mexico or wait, I'm in Wait a minute. You can check in and not be there? Yeah, you actually can. And there's people who make a career of that, and it's kind of weird. What? Oh. Like, seriously, like I can check in to someplace I'm not on Instagram? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Oh, no, not on God. Instagram. I don't, I don't know. I've never tried it on Instagram. Oh, what, 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 are you talking about Facebook? On Facebook, you can. Oh, my God, dude. I'm going to. We, but, we should check in the podcast in Mexico today. Puerto Vallarta, man. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I'll show you that later. Um, but, <laughs> but no, if, if I check in there, I'm there. Um, but it looks to people, I'm probably one of those photographers that people look at and go, why is he so damn successful? And really, I'm not the Jones to keep up with, okay? <laughs> <laughs> if you're keeping up with this Jones, you need to raise your standards a bit. <laughs> All right, so, um, okay, before you leave, I know you got to wrap up because we're, like, in the longest podcast ever, which is awesome. Five things that you wish 
new photographers coming into the business would either do or not do. So either either do this or don't do this, but just give us five things. We're going to wrap it up, and then we're going to cut into another episode. We're going to record you, and we'll talk about networking. You need to assist working photographers. This years ago for machinists, I mean, name an industry, auto mechanics, machinists, uh, welders, welders, anything, car mechanics, people apprenticed to learn the trade. There's nothing wrong with going to trade school. There's absolutely nothing wrong with a college degree. However, as we've seen in the last few years, there's a glut of college degrees and colleges that are just out for profit, and they take your money and don't really give you an education. That's correct. Again, another Casey Neistat reference, I'll tell you, don't waste your money on film school. I'm self-taught, and um, you can be too. So um, take that money and spend it on marketing and insurance. Don't work, work don't hard. Don't feel like a school is going to hand you everything you need to walk out and be successful because they won't. There's oh, no. no, there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with going to school. There's nothing wrong with higher education. And I, and I and I actually promote education quite a bit, but be be very cautious about what you where, 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 you, where you spend your money and what education you're actually getting. So because we've all seen these private colleges folding because they're really not teaching people and they're losing their accreditation. No, no, they're not doing anything. And, and most of them, they'll teach you photography. But just like you said. They don't teach you lighting. They don't teach you. Business yeah. is about business, not Absolutely. about photography. Absolutely. If you want to go to college, get a get an associate in business and do your photography on the weekends when you're not in class. Amen. Hone your school, your skills. So, yeah. Um, so the next one is insurance. Right. Don't, don't, don't work without insurance, man. It's... I know it's an expense, but you need to adjust your pricing where you are – where it's profitable. And this goes back to the business degree. If you if there's a, if that's a cost of doing business, you need to charge – I know it's – More. And don't get me wrong. I did this early on too. We've all done it. Man, I sure need $100 more than I need my pride or whatever. Yeah, I need $100 now versus <laughs> 400 right. next and, Friday. I mean, I, I, sometimes I feel like I've sold my soul when I look back. <laughs> that, like, I'm I'm just waiting when I get a little bit older. The Grim Reaper's going to be standing there with a contract or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's right behind that curtain. And when, I, when I think about how cheap I worked on some gigs before. But, you know, it's lessons learned. Everybody does it. If you've, if you, if, if you've done that, don't feel bad. Just learn from it. Um, but, you know, you need to sit down and you need to – I think even though I'm listing these separately out to make the five – Right, they all tie in together with this, the business aspect. Photography is a business. It's it's a great fun business when you're shooting and you're creating things and you see your final creation. I mean, that's my babies, and every, I think everybody treats it that way. We see a finished, polished picture and we go, "I made that." Right, and it's an awesome feeling. I love it. I mean, but at the end of the day, you're still running a business. I've got three kids and a wife that stays at home and teaches school to them that I have to feed solely on my income. A little bit of pressure. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say I have this down perfect, but um, if you want to talk with the school of hard knocks or whatever you want to call it, I've been through it and uh, and everything. And I, I tell you, it just, you know, make sure you're insured. Uh, you know, one of the other big things um, that uh, I think you're going to find out there for new photographers mm-hmm. is, I'm not real sure the word, like envy or... Yeah, they do a lot of comparison. It's super easy to to be envious of people... I mean, you don't know how long this guy's been doing it or anything else. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, no, you can try to copy somebody's work. You can do whatever you want to do to try to be successful. Unless you're doing your own thing with your own style, you're never going to be happy or successful. Okay, If you're just trying to copy people and whatever the latest – if your whole workflow is based on the latest action that – That you bought hot, off of, yeah. Right, that, that the hottest photographer this year is selling, they're selling that action pack because they've already wore it out last year on their own work. 
Oh, that's a really good I mean, point. Never thought I, about that. I've got friends that do this stuff in this business, so I don't mean that Hello, offensive. JB. I don't mean that offensively, but I'm just saying if your whole workflow and your whole style is based on someone's set of actions or something, you need to rethink your style and your business because it's because they didn't sell you that set of actions exclusively. There's a million other people that bought that thirty nine ninety nine set of actions. Right, absolutely. It, and it boils down so, to nobody can be you. You can spend all your time trying to right. copy someone else right. that so, you can never be. So I guess to, I guess to sum it up, my advice is is don't compare yourself to others, especially early on. I did that, and I, I beat myself up horribly about it. And I look back, and it was time wasted. It was time wasted. You could be working and marketing yourself. Right. And when you're starting off, you're not going to be the best. I mean, you know, I mean, they're, like you're I said, starting out. You're starting out. You're starting out. Take the work you have. Show the work you have. Get in Get in front of people and be selective, too. Don't go make a bad name for yourself. Don't try to go in there to squeeze in a meeting with Nike or somebody. I don't even know how that would work, but I'm just for a reference. <laughs> don't go in there with a out-of-focus portfolio from your last high school class and on somebody big name like that and then ruin that door forever. You need to look at smaller places and smaller businesses that you're going to market to that are appropriate budgets for your skill level. Go in there, market those, use those jobs as stepping stones. You get mm. in there, you get those jobs, use them as a springboard, and uh, refine your work, refine your style while you're getting paid to work, and keep moving up. Keep moving up. Approach the bigger clients when you're a little more confident in your work and you've got a little bit better work to show, and that way you don't close that door when they go, yeah, this amateur guy showed up and he had an out-of-focus portfolio. That yeah, and they're like never going to talk to you no, never, matter how, no matter how good ne- you get. They'll never talk to you again. So don't – ambition is great, but when you charge out of the gate, don't run to every <laughs> – To every know. finish line? Right. Take your time. <laughs> this is not an instant gratification thing. That's the thing. I think it probably is to sum that up. You know, it would be nice to walk out of the gate and be successful the first year. Right, right. But if it was that easy, everybody truly would be doing it. That's the truth. So, and then it wouldn't be what it is. We so. wouldn't be having this podcast talking about business. There you go. <laughs> so, Me and you'd be sitting coffee and drinking margaritas in Cosmel. And let me let me let me preface every bit of advice I've told you. There is a certain amount of dumb luck and being in the right place at the right time that pays off. Oh, okay. I know this is being long, and, and the listeners are probably half asleep already. But, okay, so dumb luck. I I believe that there is a bit of luck in business. Absolutely. Okay? But I think You can't that, count on it, though. I, no, you can't count on it. But I think a lot of that dumb luck is still work. It is. Absolutely. You were, you were at the right place at the right time. Because you were working hard. Because you were working hard. That's, absolute, that's absolutely it, Robert. I have heard people say, oh, I picked this bride up. Uh, while I was at a coffee shop talking to another client. Well, that's because you were at that coffee shop talking to another client, and that client overheard and said, this is the person I want to work with. It's because you were working hard. That wasn't dumb luck. That was just a coincidence that you were being watched while you were working. Right. Just like shooting a wedding. When you're shooting a wedding... Everybody in that audience is watching you. Everybody in that audience is watching you. So if you go back at the wedding and you go like uh, off to the stage where you don't think people are listening to you and you just start bad-mouthing the bride or the caterer or any of the vendors. Her cousin or one of the waiters is going to hear that. And let me tell you, you, you will muddy your name before you ever start. Absolutely. So it's a, it's we a are small sm- It's world. small. Very so small. So I think that luck is there. No, absolutely. One, uh, just one quick example. Mm-hmm. One of my best clients... And we'll talk about this a little bit more in the next podcast when we get into um, marketing and networking, SEO on your website and things like that. 
But one of my best clients, because I actually I go through my spam emails. It's a daunting task, but I always go through. And you go through your spam? I go through. I never dump. I used to do this. I never just do a flat-out dump of my spam folder. I don't open all of them because, I mean, if it says, hey, um, you know, Brazilian girls want to sell you Viagra cheap, I know I'm not even going to open that. Oh, crap, okay? dude. I open those all the time. Now, that's why I keep getting those emails from you. That's weird. <laughs> I keep forwarding them. Hey, Jason. <laughs> but one of my best clients was in my spam folder, and the email even sounded a little bit spammy. And mm-hmm. you know what? I've worked for them for a few years. I've never met that person face-to-face. They always pay me on time. It's one of they give me probably about 15, 20% of my work each year. It's huge. I travel for them and I've never met these people face to face. And it was an email that started it was in my spam folder. So part of working hard, I, I and I even told that wow. client. I even told that client I, I, after I'd done a few jobs for them and I found out they were legit. I, I kind of rolled the dice cuz I even felt like this sounds sketchy. <laughs> but I'm going to take a chance. It's in my spam folder. It sounds sketchy, and, but I'm going to work on it anyway. You know, I took a chance. I mean, it, it was it was just believable enough that I went ahead and took a chance, and it was not a lot of money at first, so I, I'm not out a lot. It wasn't a lot right. of effort. It wasn't a, a lot, big a lot of risk. It was literally an out-of-town client that said, hey, we've got a, we've got a commercial property. We really need shot here in the Dallas area if you want to do it. Um, you know, and the pay was low and everything, but I've worked on that client as they – Mm-hmm. And I've got them up to a good commercial rate, and they send me all over the place. Wow. And I even told that client about a year after that, I said, you know, I almost didn't work for you because your email went straight to my spam folder, and I almost just dumped it. But I always look through just in case, and I said, you were in there, and I took a chance on this. And they were like, wow, that's pretty funny. And so, I mean, we still get a good laugh out of that, but you just never know. And so back to working harder, it takes 10 extra minutes to go through, especially if you get a lot of spam right, emails. Right. But in that instance, that one email was worth every time I read the titles in my spam. Wow! Folder. So dumb luck. That, dumb luck. That was purely dumb luck through Google. But wow! <laughs> All right, we ran for a long one. Looks like gonna be our longest episode so far. So we're going to actually sign off, and uh, we're going to uh, see. It's two o'clock. We might be able to push this one live today, and then we're gonna do a couple more recording with Jason because he is actually in town for a couple of days. I think it's awesome. So we're going to pass out. Thank you so much, Jason. We're going to talk soon about marketing and networking, and we're going to throw in some SEO. Absolutely. I think it's going to be awesome. All right. So we're going to talk to you guys soon. This is Robert. Jim's out shooting, and maybe one day he'll come back to the podcast. All right, Jim, we love you. Talk to you really soon. Visit our world headquarters at photofaxpodcast.com.